0: Hello everybody, this is Tom Harrison and Ken Krogh with the Eternal Core Podcast. We are so excited to have Dr. Alina Fong here today. In fact, two of my favorite people on my personal uh, journey back from the struggles that I had with my truck accident, and it's so exciting to have you guys both here at the same time. So I have to just introduce Alina. She is the founder of an amazing clinic called Cognitive FX, and I spent a whole week there, and they warned me that I would be going through like mental gymnastics and I would be worn out by the middle of the week, and it really happened. I couldn't even drive home. <laughs> but by Thursday, I felt like a new person. Do you mind giving a little bit of the, of the background of how you came to founding Cognitive FX and the amazing process that you go through?
1: Sure. Um, how to tell that story in a condensed version, right? Yeah. Um, well, I was fortunate enough to have completed my education uh, at BYU uh, where I met uh, one of my mentors, uh, Dr. Mark Allen, and he and I, he became my, my dissertation advisor and uh, my supervisor, and we created this project. At that time, we, we, he was more interested and we were doing more more with EEG, um, and fMRI was this emerging, fun, new technology. Um, and. Uh, I convinced him to kind of drop a lot of the EEG stuff, and he dabbled in some fMRI, uh, but just to go forward with fMRI. So he and I kind of figured a lot of things out from scratch together and, and did this fMRI project uh, while, while I was a graduate student. Uh, we were fortunate enough to, to have a friend in the area who had an MRI machine that we used at night um, when it wasn't busy. And we just started running. Uh, uh, people uh, on on the MRI and and really what I was interested in was seeing if my if neuropsychological test batteries, which um, as a neuropsychologist we're giving all the time, I wanted to know what parts of the brain were really being tapped into when they're asked to do a cognitive task like mm-hmm. that. So we would we had to modify these really complicated neuropsych tests into an an MRI protocol, a functional MRI in, in the, within the constraints of fMRI, um, including, you know, well, you can't really move, you can't really talk, you can't write like you would, you know, with a regular paper pencil. So kind of working within those constraints was, was uh, very interesting and, and an exciting endeavor. Um, but after years of work, we had six of these tests that we could then start using on on guinea pigs, aka college students, <laughs> um, so uh, we would just run them, and, and we just started to get all this data. We didn't really know what we were looking for. We just said, "Okay, let's let's do these tests and let's see what parts of the brain light up." Interesting. And we started to see patterns uh, with people that we called, you know, our control group—people that didn't have traumatic brain injury before. Luckily, they didn't smoke or drink, you know? (laughs) I didn't have some of those other vices, and we screened out other things like uh, um, other type of psychiatric or psychological issues. So we tried to get as clean a sample as possible, but we started to see that there were patterns and there were structures and there were parts of the brain that would always light up. And would always light up within a certain level, Mm -hmm. okay? Um, So there was a certain amount of blood flow that was kind of normal. For these certain parts of the brain, uh, and it was that there that uh, kind of the lights went on for for Mark and I, for Dr. Allen and I. We're like, gosh, you know, if if this is kind of what's standard for someone that's normal, let's start scanning people that aren't normal. Um, and luckily, at that point, uh, I was working. I had already graduated. I did my dissertation mm-hmm. and um, was working at uh, Intermountain Healthcare. So this year makes 14 years with IHC mm-hmm. as well. Um, but I had already ready access to concussion patients. <laughs> so we started to run concussion patients and, and that was even more interesting because we started to see that these patients that were dealing with these cognitive changes after concussion, their brain started to look quite similar. Um, and then we were able to start deriving biomarkers or these set patterns that matched concussion but didn't match a normal person or a, a control and it didn't match someone with uh, um, dementia or Alzheimer's. Let's, let's hold up there.
2: Sorry. Oh, that's oh. your phone. Oh. It is, I'm so sorry.
0: No worries. <laughs> sorry, mm-hmm. we had a... We can just take it into the other room, no worries.
1: Yeah, I just muted Alina, it. Alina,
0: we've had everything you can imagine happen on this stage. Oh, gosh. No, no problem at all. Okay, great. Sorry about that. So where were we?
2: They edit that out,
0: and here we go. Ready to go again? So let's go back to the concussion markers. Okay.
1: So when we started to to test concussion patients that were readily available to me because of my uh, my work at IHC, we started to see that there were patterns of dysfunction or dysregulation in blood flow, and then we started to scan ten and then twenty. 30, 40, we have now close to 10,000 wow. individual fMRI scans of concussed brains. Uh, and with 10,000 scans, we can, got we a can pretty, good pretty clearly say that we, we, we have some robust findings with, with mm. regards to patterns and what we call these, these biomarkers. Mm. Um, so that is a long, well, that's, that, that's actually the short story of, of mm. how we, we developed this clinic. Because once we had all this data, that allowed me to say okay well now how do we do something about it because it's one thing to say oh you've got a concussion
2: mm-hmm.
1: lots of people can do that right. but there aren't enough people that are doing something about it
2: Right. I remember in the late 70s and the 80s I had the opportunity of working at Primary Children's Medical Center and also the old LDS hospital mm-hmm. and uh, you know we would see individuals that would come in with neurological problems from coup injuries mm-hmm. or car accidents or, or you know, falls or things of that nature. And often they had gone through a battery of misdiagnoses, and uh, many of them were so frustrated and overwhelmed because nothing was helping them. And then, you know, in, a, in our very little science that we understood about the brain at that time, mm-hmm. we realized we have a population here that is profoundly underserved and and often misdiagnosed. Can you speak to that at all? And, <laughs> and you know, I just find it so wonderful that, that I can refer these people to you, and they get better. And they, yeah. they come out saying, oh, I'm not going crazy, <laughs> and that's why this medicine didn't work for me and actually made me worse because I was misdiagnosed. Any comment on that, Dr. Fong?
1: Oh, so many comments on that, <laughs> Dr. Harrison, because, you know... I, What's so limiting, what's so difficult about these concussion cases is that regular imaging is normal, right? Regular CT, regular MRI is so normal, and so, uh, um, which interestingly, the normal findings are part of the definition of what a concussion is, right? okay? But that makes it really hard for a clinician to say, well, gosh, if these tests are showing normal, I, I, I don't know, maybe it is in your head, right? Well, it is. Yeah, it (laughs) is. It is. But differently than
2: what you're being diagnosed as.
1: Exactly. And so I can't tell you how often patients come to me saying, well, you know, I have this diagnosis of ADD now, or I have ADHD, and I have a diagnosis of anxiety, and I've been on ADD medications, but that's not working. I've been on anxiety medications, and that's not working. Um, Well, but I also got diagnosed with depression, so we tried that, and that's not working. When so often there was this this hidden or latent head injury that happened maybe even years before, months, years, sometimes decades before, that might be what's underlying all this. And so I can't tell you how often these patients come into me and the first thing I say is, well, can we try to get you off these medications if they're not helping, <laughs> right? Um, and you'd be surprised how many of them say, yes, please. You Interesting. Know? every once in a while, some of them are like, oh, I don't want to get off, you know, but most of the time, these patients didn't need medication before. They're just being used as band-aids almost because right. that clinician, bless his or her heart, they don't really know what else to do, right? right? Um, and so they're, they're trying and, and the good clinicians I know admit that to the patient. They say, well, okay, let's try this and let's see if this helps, let's try this. Um, and then they themselves start to feel a little bit like guinea pigs. Um, the wonderful thing about utilizing advanced imaging techniques. Mm-hmm. And, and, and fMRI is just one type. There's DTI, uh, diffusion tensor imaging, which uh, you know um, I have some, some good friends that that's where their area of expertise right. is. There's SWI or susceptibility-weighted imaging as well. There's all these new types of MRI-based imaging that are allowing us to see that there are changes um, that can happen that can actually be recorded <laughs> and used. So as great as regular MRI and CT are, they, they, they don't go deep enough, right? They, they're, they're just looking at structural changes. Right. But often when we have issues like concussion um, or other types of brain dysfunction that doesn't affect the structure, for example, um, brain toxicity, you know? I mean, I, I've seen patients with lead poisoning, um, with uh, carbon monoxide poisoning, other types of of issues like that, where mm-hmm. the brain still looks normal, though, right. but they present with all this brain fog, um, sleep problems, anxiety, attentional yeah. issues. Chemo brain. Right. Have you, how many people have known someone that's gone through chemotherapy that their brain's just not the same? Right.
2: And I've never seen anyone who's gone through that that didn't have at least some deficit after the chemotherapy
1: neurocognitively. Except me too. Yeah. But the problem is, if you just do a regular scan, they look normal. So these advanced imaging techniques are now able to capture this huge population right. of people that you know that there's something going on. There's something wrong. They'll swear to you that there's something wrong. Family members that are close to them will say, mm, something's a little different here, you know? Um, but now there's, there's imaging that can back that up. Right. So it's not just concussion, right?
2: Right. I remember. Uh, About three years ago, I had a a local linebacker in one of the college football teams who was just struggling horribly, had been to psychiatry, had been to psychologist, been to social work, uh, was put on a boatload of medications, uh, was losing his relationship with his wife and his children, just felt awful, Mm -hmm. Uh, started to uh, overuse alcohol, Mm -hmm. and uh, nobody had even suggested that <laughs> that this could be brain trauma. Mm. Concussion after another concussion, you know, yes. I think it was four concussions during games, but nobody had even looked at that, mm-hmm. and I sent him your way, and amazing change, and an amazing difference. Personality came back, you know. Father and mother called me and said, we've got our boy back, you know. <laughs> Bec- but nobody had even looked at that. So I think often we ignore this process so profoundly in the psychological community or psychiatric mm-hmm. community. So thank you for, for your pioneering work in this area. Yeah, it's, it's profound. You know, we, uh,
0: my, my personal story, again, football, middle linebacker. <laughs> um, and, but, it, but it was really the car accident, the truck accident that, that was so profound. That that had me. Now I understand in the early days of the clinic, um, you had you had some folks involved from from the football to Tom Tom Brady, mm-hmm. um, Austin collie mm-hmm. Tell us about you know how that came to be. That, that's
2: sort of interesting.
1: Yeah, you know, um, it seems like all these conversations always come back to to sports and football right? Uh, because that's that's what's driving a lot of this concussion research and this awareness especially with this class action lawsuit Uh, and so uh, quite a few years ago I think about mm, six or seven years ago now um, we caught the attention of Tom Brady Uh, and, and what's so wonderful about Tom is that he is he's so healthy he's always looking for for that health benefit that'll give him the edge, you know? And uh, one of his, uh, one of his um, uh, really good friends, um, c- coaches, mentors, you know, um, trainers, actually, uh, it was also a good friend of ours and brought him to us and said, look, why don't you do this scan and let's just see what's going on? Because, you know, I mean, he's someone that everyone knows. I mean, we're the same age, you know, he's at the top of his game. Um, even this year, right, he's doing fantastically. And not that there's anything wrong, but it was, well, what can I do that can give me an edge, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, and, and what, once he saw the value of what we did, even for someone who maybe doesn't have, you know, isn't suffering with concussion at that point in time, you know, he said, wow, this is something that, that everyone could benefit from. So actually, our very first clinic we ever opened was with Tom in Boston, and it was TB12. So I had to go get licensed in Massachusetts. and <laughs> <laughs> We opened up shop in Massachusetts, and that, that's where we first started seeing our patients. While we were there, however, however, we were in the works of, of creating this, in, this one here in Provo. Gotcha. Um, How so, long has yes, it been open now? Five, going on five years, five years now, yes, here in Provo. Uh, but yeah, that, that's our connection with Tom. And, and um, since then, um, I'm not, we don't physically, we're not practicing there. Anymore, okay. um, but we—I still have my license there. They still refer patients back and forth. Um, Great. So they're still going as well. They're still going. Yeah, yeah they Interesting. are. Interesting. Um, and but of course, this this Provo location has taken up all my all my time. Yeah. That's, that's at present.
0: Now I, I we just met the other day with Austin Colley. He's going to be joining us um, at the show uh, end of March. Uh-huh and he worked for a little bit with cognitive effects and, and, and he went through a lot of, of struggles with with concussion mm-hmm. and, and still played five great years in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But um, you know talk to us about where are the, where are the different areas uh, you know the different sports the different um, challenges where brain concussion typically occurs. I mean what are some of the big areas where you where you get patients?
1: So uh, football of yeah, course. Yeah, football, okay. Is one. Um, and yes, you know Austin is a dear friend of mine as well. Um, he he did work for for CFX for a while, and we we still are we still work together. Yeah. Quite in fact, a bit. he's
0: in a similar industry now, a company called Canary Con- Speech. Yes, yeah,
1: Canary. Concussion, and with a derivative
0: yeah. called Canary Concussion. Mm-hmm. So technology helping to you know determine if a concussion has occurred
1: through through the slightest inflections and changes in speech. It's amazing. It's phenomenal. I mean, I, I really love it, uh, and um, I, I think. You know, people are understanding that uh, the diagnosis of concussion um, has been lacking. You know, uh, people need to be more aware that you can get a concussion even if you don't physically hit your head, right? Um, In fact, I'm dealing with, with something like this right now where I'm in a little bit of a battle with another doctor who is claiming that this patient, a certain patient, did not hit their head. Um, And so therefore, and did not lose consciousness, so therefore does not have a concussion.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah,
1: which, I mean, you know, we all, most of us in the industry know that, okay.
0: I I didn't go out with mine.
1: Yeah, you don't have to. I wasn't knocked out. And in fact, over 90% of concussions don't have a loss of consciousness, Interesting. And you don't even have to physically hit your head. A whiplash movement. Right. You know, and so think about, you know, um, our, our sports. Think about... You know, things like football, yes, there's there's impact. Um, but then there's things like, uh, if you were a linebacker, you don't actually have to be, you can just have little hits here and there, yes. over, successively, over and over and over. Um,
2: Skiing, snowboarding, those things can create. I know women's yeah. soccer yeah. is really big.
1: Right. Women's right. soccer. And yeah. then another one um, is cheerleading. We get a lot of cheerleading. Oh my heavens. Yeah, because think about it, you're getting thrown, sometimes you don't, you get dropped. Right. But it's not all, it's not always a flyer. It's yeah. the base because right. they come down and they hit heads or right. you know so <laughs> And
2: the brain slaps up against that bony prominence. And yes, slaps and yeah. uh, there we are, you know there we are. Yeah.
1: Um, motor vehicle accidents, yeah, you know, just it. just whiplash. Um, that's another big one we get. Slips and falls, especially on the ice right now in the winter. you know, um.
0: <laughs> One of our friends here at, uh, at Mobilize, General Corps was was on a bicycle and and a bicycle, bi- bicycle accident exactly. I mean, all kinds of things what are some of the things family members might notice um... behavioral wise that might indicate mm. they probably ought to you know come and talk to you
1: so that differs for different ages okay. so if it's a child for example a parent that that is wondering if their child may have these you know long-standing issues you know how are they doing in school uh, has their school Gotten a lot harder. Um, are their grades not as good, and and you, you don't know why? Is, is that child more tired? Doesn't have as much energy as they used to have. And the thing is, it's so easy as a parent to say, "Oh well, they didn't. They just didn't sleep well. Now, that's why." But if you're seeing a pattern of this over time, right. and you're looking back and saying, "Gosh, you know, her personality is a little different. She used to be really outgoing, and now she just kind of wants to stay in all the time." Um, those are some really big red flags for children because. They don't often, they're just not as aware, right, of of how they're feeling. Um, they can't verbalize exactly mm. uh, what's going on. And so it might manifest with with those types of behavior changes.
2: Okay. How, about, how about infections like encephalitis or mm. things of that nature? Do you work with any of those people who have suffered with those kind of injuries or
1: illnesses? <laughs> I want it. I want to say yes, yeah. I say yes, <laughs> but I don't want to say yes, yes because okay. then, <laughs> uh, but, but yes, exactly. <laughs> right. um, but absolutely, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we, we brand ourselves as, a, as concussion, but, right. but truthfully, we get calls every day yes. um, from parents or family members that say, you know, yeah, my, my daughter had a viral infection, she had, mm-hmm. you know, meningitis, encephalitis, yeah. and things just haven't been the same. Right. Um, can you help? And what I always say is, I believe we can help, but let's get a scan first. Because if we can see that the brain uh, has changed as far as functionality, blood is not getting to where it needs to go, the brain is less efficient, um, then yeah, we we can definitely, if we can see it, then we can treat it, is is what I say. Um, The caveat is that all the research that we've done, most of the research that we've done has been in the the realm of concussion. Mm -hmm. And so I can't say to a parent, or or even to to another doctor, Mm. hey, Dr. Harrison, thanks for sending me that patient. That patient's gonna get 75% better. We can't guarantee anything in medicine, right? Um, But we can still, we still have improvements. And I I can't say if they can improve as much as a concussion typically does, but usually they do.
0: You know, I remember that, that, that I was there with the scan mm-hmm. on a Monday morning, and you had me in there for a little over an hour mm-hmm. doing different kinds of exercises, I remember. Uh, you showed me some of the scans later, and then, then you, had, you had me doing brain workouts for an entire week. Mm-hmm. And I was a little bit nervous by Tuesday, Wednesday, because I was really feeling it. Mm-hmm. But it was so profound Thursday morning when I could think clearly again and by Friday I was a new person. Mm-hmm. You even scored my, my, my scans and then you put me back through Friday afternoon.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's sort of what the process was. Maybe talk to some of the details if you don't mind for a minute. That was so intriguing.
1: Sure, so this picture that you have here actually is the bookend, okay, right? The yes. bookends. So this is what you did when you first came in. That's actually Dr. Allen right there. Um, that little pad that this patient's holding is a fiber optic response pad and that's what allows us to record whether or not they're getting the right answer, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, this little screen here is an LCD screen that allows us to, to present the, the test.
2: Yes, the stimuli, I remember. Right?
1: Yeah. Um, and this is just one frame of, you know, dozens of tests that are given um, while the patient's in the scanner. So yes, this is the, at the beginning. But while he's in there, he doesn't just do the fMRI and the cognitive tasks, he also gets a brain MRI because we do still want to make sure that everything's okay structurally. And then we also get an MRI of his neck, uh, of your neck, because we want to see, usually when there's a a concussion, there is cervical injury. Very very rarely do you get a concussion without also there being some change to the neck, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Then after this, you come out and we Go over your results, and yes, we get you right into therapy. And therapy varies for each individual patient because even though there are biomarkers that are common, Mm -hmm. there are still individual differences between each patient. Um, Someone might come in with more neck pain, right? And so we want to address that. Someone might come in with more visual issues. We address that more. Someone might come in with more psychological issues. And we have um, psychologists that are there for that. So, you know, we, we want to make sure that every patient's need, needs, need gets taken care of. But in general, they're having occupational therapies twice a day, cognitive or speech therapies num- co- twice a day. Um, uh, massage, neuromuscular therapy. That was my favorite
0: part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it usually yeah. is. I was hoping it you would max, ma- max that one out a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> well, complain
1: more about neck problems yeah. if will.
0: I,
2: I should have learned. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, you know, but we have, um, we, but every, every, every day we're adjusting, we're changing. In fact, Ken, if you were to come to the program now, it is different than when you went through the program. We are instituting more nutrition. In fact, um, in after first quarter of this year so about april we are going to be providing meals for the patients. oh interesting because we're
0: i will be back
1: (laughs) (laughs) we're doing meals we're doing more cardiovascular even though we were doing cardio before we're incorporating it much more into the program uh so you know we're always involved in research and outcomes and seeing what adjustments we can make that will affect that brain's health and improve that brain's efficiency. And the reason we can do that is because at the end of that full week, you get another scan, right, yes, that I other remember. bookend, and we have tangible data that shows, okay, did what we do this week make a difference more than what we did the week before? You I know?
0: remember I remember even my scores. you know? Do you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, if I remember, it was like 0 to 5.
1: 0 to 6. 0
0: mm-hmm. 6, okay. And I was like in the mid 2, 2.57 or 2.58, but in a week, I was well below a one, mm-hmm. except in those two little areas where I, you know, they were still a bit, but, but you would help me sort of, it's almost like routing around or activating the areas around and I was doing so much better.
1: Well, and you know, one of the things that, that a lot of my, my patients understand is that we do so much for you in that week, but does therapy end on Friday? No. no. We you you have to go home with with these therapies. Like, and doesn't Tom Brady come
0: back? Okay, I mean, didn't he go back occasionally and yeah, turn things know, up even a little bit more?
1: Austin for sure. Yeah. Tom's been so good. Like he yeah. he's he, his brain's doing great. Great. Um, but you know, other other players that I can't name, there are some I can sure. name and some sure. I can't name. Um, that come back much more regularly, once a year. Yeah,
0: almost like a brain workout. It's
1: like a little boot camp, be yeah. like a booster day where they come in and not just athletes. You know, we have. Businessmen, we have college students that that you know we have professionals, attorneys, doctors um, that just need that extra boost, yeah. and they want to see where they are, um, and you know they, they just want those little extra exercises that that help them feel even better. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: so this was my truck. I remember the engine oh. was under the front seat, and uh, so you
2: and know, you were in there somewhere. I was right? in there somewhere. Right. They pulled me out. Uh, you were in there close to the carburetor, right? Oh,
0: so so talk, to, <laughs> talk about that, I mean, so, so the, the imaging of the brain and the things that you guys are looking for, that was so interesting. I mean, you showed me some of the images, mm-hmm. but what are we looking at here?
1: So interestingly, uh, this image here, this is actually an image that is post, 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 post processed. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we only do this for display presentations Purposeful. like this. Um, it's really just pretty pictures, right? I see, I see. If you remember, the actual data that Dr. Harrison, I think you've actually seen, they're graphs.
0: That's right, right? that's right. Mm.
1: Um, what this, and what this is, is this is a, a kind of a visual rep- representation where the, um, the colors represent how much blood is actually flowing to those areas. Okay. okay. So what we're looking at here is a scan where we're actually looking at where blood flow where blood is going. And this is actually um, on one of our picture naming tasks. Um, I can tell just by the different regions that we're looking at. But this is a pictorial representation of a normal distribution where we're looking at what, uh, how much blood is flowing to different parts of the brain. So the actual graph that you got with that 2.3 score, or ones that, you've, that we've sent to you, um, are really just based on z-scores and normal distributions, which we as psychologists understand very well, yes. <laughs> you know? Um, but but yeah, this is just showing that there are different parts of the brain where, if you see the, 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 the more yellow, that's where more blood is flowing to, OK? So we can see concentrations based on different voxels on where blood is going to for different tasks. Gotcha. So we can map out what parts of the brain are working to do uh, a, ver- uh, a, a kind of a, uh, a nonverbal Uh, Type of a task right so this is a normal brain. We're looking at a brain that looks normal here Let's say we put someone with a concussion. Yeah They might not have as much activation here, and they may have activation that are compensated in frontal lobe areas because you know They they need to recruit other areas to do that job So this is just a kind of a nice Fancy picture that depicts that
2: I think many people especially today don't realize the significant importance of nutrition oh, yes. um, you know I recently was speaking to a fellow who said I drink four monster drinks and you know a day you know I, I wake up with one I take one on my way to work <laughs> I drink one as I'm coming home and then I drink one with dinner and I'm and wow. and, and then he's wondering why he's not functioning as well, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, Right. and he says, well, it's just, you know, I've just given up my coffee and now I'm taking this monster drink, but not realizing the chemicals that are in that monster drink uh-huh. and what it's doing to his respiratory, to his heart, to his circulatory system. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think so many people don't have a clue that, you know, nutrition and what, you know, what we're putting... Dinner esophagus has something great, great to do with our yeah. sense of well-being. So I'm glad you're including that in, in the treatment because uh, I think so many people don't make that connection at all, and then they wonder why they don't feel well, or why they're ex- not sleeping well, exactly, or why they can't focus, or or you know why they're why they're doing this all day right. long, or why they're grinding their teeth, you know,
1: you know
2: yeah that's true
1: well and what's scary is that um so every patient that comes in right with my intake form we ask them are you taking any medications but are you taking any supplements because some people also think well it's a natural supplement it's fine it's not a medication well but those natural supplements still have a chemical reaction in your body.
2: Arsenic is a natural <laughs> substance, but I would not recommend anyone to take it, you know. <laughs> yes, that is true. Very, good point.
1: Well, and so is marijuana, yes. right? Yes. So that this, is, this is another battle that we're fighting yeah. because, um, in, in all seriousness, the amount of patients that come in to me that they, they're like, no, I'm not taking any drugs, I'm taking any supplements, but then I have to specifically ask them, are you taking any cannabinoids, any cannabis right. substances? Right. Oh, well, yeah. yeah like, I okay, take CBD,
2: well, oil, CBD three oil three times a day. Yeah. But, but
1: there's no THC, right? But, right. well, okay, but we still need to know that because the truth right. is we don't know yet what the long-term effects of this are on the brain. Right. We just don't know. Right. Um,
2: and it's nice to know. And we can include that in our data, mm-hmm. so that we can have that over a long period of time, and then go. Isn't it interesting? These symptoms correlate with these people who are taking the CBD oil. Yeah,
1: and right. you know, we we track our patients longitudinally as well, and so we have a study right now that it's ongoing, but we're out three years, wow. and we're seeing we're tracking these patients, and we're doing fMRI scans for them, you know, um, periodically over now three years. Yes, and some of them are using substances, some yes. of them We need a follow-up
0: episode just on yes, this. Yes, we do. I think <laughs> this one's going to be interesting. Dr. Wow.
2: Fong, we I could talk to you all day about I, this. This so fun. <laughs> this, is, this, this is an area that I've been interested in since the 70s because my mind was totally open to something that I had not ever considered. And I, I made it a significant part of my practice because I felt like... It was just an area that was terribly underserved. So we certainly appreciate you coming today and appreciate having Ken here with us. Yeah, I'm
0: here thanks to these two.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And uh, thank you so much. So uh, she's going to be speaking at our conference.
0: Yes, March 29th and 30th at the Little America Hotel. You can go out to eternalcore.org. Thank you Dr. Fong, for joining us today. It's so good having you here. You're she welcome. has a
2: lot more to let you know so come and listen. <laughs> We're to bringing her, her back.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much.
2: Thank you.